This podcast takes you into the rarely discussed realm of the personal decisions leaders have taken that have influenced their business decisions and developed them into the leaders they are today. The refreshingly honest experiences of those who have been very successful provide an insight into the challenges they faced, the successes they achieved, and the people who influenced them along their journey. Here's our host, Mark Silvera. Welcome to Business Made Personal. This podcast is brought to you by the insurance industry's leading education and events provider, ANZIF, via their Careers in Insurance initiative. I'm Mark Silvera. CEO of Surewise Insurance Brokers, with over 25 years' experience in the insurance industry. Heather's career began with MYR Insurance Brokers, and since then, she has held roles with a number of well-known brokerages, including PCU, DeConnell and Blanco, Marsh, and Guardian Insurance Brokerages. By way of background, Heather is not only a qualified practicing insurance broker, but also holds an advanced diploma in management a Diploma in Insurance Broking, a Bachelor of Public Management, and is currently in her third year of a law degree. I'm tired just reading it out, Heather. Welcome to Business Made Personal. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Hey, Heather, I always start with the same question, right? And that is, tell me a little bit about your life growing up when you were a young child, a stroke teenager. What was that like for you? I was actually an introvert, and most people would be surprised to hear that, but I was born and raised in Wyala, which is a country town here in South Australia. And I came to Adelaide early in, I think it was year eight, and ended up in a, a girls' school and yeah, continued with my education through to year 12. And yeah, very much the introvert. Yep. So what was the reason your family moved to Adelaide? My dad decided that it would be probably better for me to get an education in Adelaide because there really wasn't a lot happening in Wyala with um, BHP. The shipyard at the time had closed down and, you know, mum only worked part-time as a cleaner. It was a, a good opportunity and my brothers and sisters had all grown up, so it was just me. I was the accident in the family. Off we went to Adelaide and, yeah, it was very different when you compare it to Wyala, but still a small city. I mean, you're obviously quite young. You would have been quite excited by moving to Adelaide or were you? No. I was, yeah, actually really reluctant and was, you know, wanting to stay with friends there rather than come to Adelaide. But, you know, I think when you're that age, you don't really know what's best for you and you just have to listen to your parents and do what you're told. So, yeah, it all worked out well. So you come here kicking and screaming and you end up in an all-girls school. What was that like? It was okay. It was, you know, typical girls, bitchy, but I managed to sort of fly under the radar. And it's quite funny because we employed a lady here and we found out that we were both at that school at the same time and we didn't know each other because I think I was such an introvert and kept to myself. Yeah, I didn't realise that uh, she was there at the same time. I must admit, I did go to an all-boys school and I look back now and I just wonder whether that was the best thing for my social development. You know, I think the real world is, you know, mixing with people of the opposite sex and being in a girls' school, I was very quiet and it certainly didn't help me grow or develop, you know, any personality strengths, I wouldn't say. So you finished high school and you said you'd completed year 12. What did you do after that, Heather? So I actually wanted to be a nurse and my dad said, no, not happening. You need to go work in a bank or do a course. Or So I ended up going to TAFE initially. I had applied for 
nursing, but then I had to withdraw because dad didn't want me to do that. So I went to TAFE, I did an advanced diploma in management and then decided I would go on and study at uni. And in that time, I ended up getting a job at MYR and started uh, working with Maury Ranger, senior and junior. They were lovely to work with. Um, Maury Senior was, was quite a hard, hard boss, but, you know, certainly taught me a lot. And it was my first job. So it was basically thrown in the deep end, sink or swim. And yeah, I was definitely challenged because it was a, such a small business. You had to do everything from quoting to the underwriter payments, you know, speaking with the clients, the teams. So, you know, it really gave me a good grounding on how a brokerage works. So, um, you know, I was very grateful to them for giving me that opportunity. And when it was time, I ended up moving to PCU. I will get to a little bit about that in just a moment. But looking back at those sort of younger years when you just started work and, you know, for that sort of five to 10 year period, were there people that were major influences in your life at that time? Look, I'd have to say probably not till I got to PCU. Lynn Blackwood and Mike Donnelly were instrumental in my growth and helping me set work ethics and integrity. You know, that was something that I looked up to them to and I continued on in my career. It's fundamental to everything that you do, I think, in the the industry and it stays with me even till today. And, you know, I guess during that period of time, you still stayed in Adelaide. Did you ever feel the need to move to any of the bigger cities? I would have liked to, but I ended up marrying my childhood sweetheart and he would not have entertained that at all. So I ended up staying in Adelaide as a result of that. Right. Okay. And was that something that you gladly did or is it something you've just gone, I've got no choice here? How did that work? I didn't have a choice that was, you know, expected of me. So that was what I did. Interesting, isn't it, how we sort of succumb to other people's desires, but eventually you can't help but get your career goals met because you've done very, very well since then. And in fact, I cannot remember where you and I, what year it was, but you and I worked together at GE Funding, which is, I think, the first time you moved out of broking? It was, yes. I had a death in the family. My sister passed away quite young from breast cancer. And there was lots of changes going on at the police credit union. And I remember I was approached, funnily enough, right back then, Brecknock had approached me to come and be an account exec. And I would have been their very first female account exec. And I decided that probably wasn't the right place for me at that time and ended up coming across to, it was Highland Finance, I think, before it became GE. It was right for me at the time because it, it wasn't overly a stressful role. It was out meeting with brokers. We didn't have any work where we had to, you know, go through actual writing of new business. A lot of the quoting and stuff was done back end for us. So good role. And it suited me at the time, but you know, it wasn't where I wanted to be. No, you obviously had a love of breaking and that sort of carried on ever since. You mentioned that you would have been the first female in that brokerage that we were speaking about before. Let's talk about that for a minute because, you know, now the insurance industry, there's 49% of females, obviously still highly underrepresented in the sort of exec level management stuff. What are the sort of challenges that you faced during your development of your career to get to that CEO level? Look, I know in one of my earlier roles, 
I was told by the CEO that I was the prettiest senior or up-and-coming senior in insurance broking. And when I had went for the role as a general manager there, they wanted to replace that role with, with a male, despite the fact I had been doing the, the role for some period of time. And if it wasn't for board members who knew what I had given to the business and the extensive experience I had, what I did in respect of, you know, I looked after the IT. We didn't have an IT department back then. We didn't have operations. I did pretty much everything. And uh, they were told, well, if she leaves, you're in trouble. So, you know, I had to make sure that I was multi-skilled, but very much across everything to make myself not irreplaceable, but almost, you know, it was something I had to do to protect my role as such. That's quite a challenging position to be in, isn't it? I mean, you're obviously a young woman that is looking to develop a career. You don't want to be seen as being, let's call it, just a female, and yet you're being prevented from moving up the ranks, as it were. Why did you not leave the industry and go and do something else, do you think? Oh, look, I had actually thought about it, but I thought that, you know, I had invested so much time and energy and I loved what I was doing that I wasn't going to let anyone prevent me from getting to where I wanted to be. So I think it was just that drive that pushed me along and, you know, I'm really pleased that I did because it's still a really great industry and I, I love what I do. I've got to wonder, you, so you've got a, a bachelor's degree in government and public management, politics, law and accounting from Flinders University. You've subsequent to that done a whole heap of work, as I mentioned at the opening, and you're currently doing your law degree. Do you think part of that is because you still feel that you want to be irreplaceable? Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I think it's old habits die hard. You know, if you've got more experience, if you've got more credentials, and you can offer more, then you know, you're know you always going to be one of the first people that are chosen for certain things. And I guess the underlying reason behind the law degree as well was because our industry is so highly regulated, it's critical that while you're running a business like this, that you understand contracts, you understand risk and compliance, and it all relates back to the law. So it was important for me to understand how to interpret legislation and statutory requirements. It's certainly that broker advice model as to the broker, I'm going to save you $20 model, right? Yes. Let's talk about challenges for a minute. If I asked you, Heather, what's the hardest challenge you've had to overcome in your life? What would you say? Are we talking personal or business? I'm happy with personal because it is called business made personal, but I'm happy with either. Look, I guess personal would have been losing my sister, if I'm being honest. That was probably the hardest thing that I've ever gone through in my life. You know, losing a sibling is soul-destroying. It's, you know, people lose parents and such. And it is really hard when you lose a parent, but, you know, a sibling is different because you always think that they're going to be there. Parents aren't. So I was quite young. I was in my 20s and it was like pulling the rug from underneath me and just changed the way I thought about everything and how I viewed the world. What were the changes that happened for you? It made me reassess what's important and, you know, not to sweat the small stuff. You know, you hear people complaining about different things and I just think, 
no one's dying or dead, so, you know, let's just move on. There's no point worrying about the little things because, you know, it's not going to matter in a year from now, these little things. But, you know, if you lose someone in your family, it is still going to matter in a year. Oh, it certainly is. And particularly those events are just so unexpected that, as you say, you know, they pull the rug out from under you. Do you think you've managed to cope with it or do you think you still have moments where it still gets to you? I think I have managed to move past it. I think that I have been able to build, I guess, the skills to challenge and overcome anything that's that seems too difficult. And it's actually transcended into the workplace. I, you know, have been challenged with um, lots of different personalities in our industry, you know, whether it be through the merging of companies. None of it has really affected me. You know, it might challenge you, but in no way has it been able to get me down or anything like that. I think that, if anything, what I've been through has just made me stronger. People often go one or two ways, don't they? They either fold like a deck of cards or they do become far more resilient than they ever thought they were po- that was possible. So you obviously sit in the latter camp. I, I want to talk a little bit about you won the Neva Broker of the Year Award in 2022. Yes. Congratulations. How have you changed personally because of that sort of, let's call it exposure? I don't think I have, to be quite honest. I have been part of NEBA and and have volunteered for over 20 years on the committee and always been instrumental in in assisting wherever I can with, you know, organising of events or educational seminars, anywhere that I can give back to the industry. And so I feel that I have been doing that anyway. I don't feel that it's changed anything that I do, in all honesty. So I want to talk a little bit about failures. I mean, we all all have failures during our careers. Is there anything memorable where you haven't quite cut the mustard and it's taught you so much that you've taken into your business life in the future? In one of my previous roles, my boss, when he was doing annual review, he said that my downfall is I don't take risks. So I guess perhaps that's a shortcoming of mine. I don't take risks. If I think there's a chance that we might fail, you know, I will walk away from it. I think that I'm, I've probably improved over the years because I'm now a little bit more decisive in making a decision. So I'll make sure I've got all of the information that I need to make that decision and then I'll make a call on it. Whereas before I would probably procrastinate a little bit more. But in saying that, it does depend on who your boss is too. You know, if you love your boss and they're going to whack you if you make a mistake, you are not going to push the envelope. You're going to stay within your parameter and you're not going to grow. And that's exactly where I was in that business. Yes, I was performing. Yes, I was meeting all my KPIs, but I wasn't pushing any boundaries because I was too scared to. I think it's so important. I've worked with one organisation where one of their mantras is, we don't mind if you fail as long as you've had a go. Yeah. And it sounds to me like that was possibly the bit that was missing for you because, and I do know you a little bit personally, I think you've certainly taken some risks in terms of some of your job opportunities in recent times and, you know, they've worked out really, really well for you, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was asked when I was coming across to the business initially, no, you sure that's what you want to do? And I was ready for the challenge. And, and you know, when I first came across it, I probably 
wasn't so happy. When I started, it certainly completely turned around. Speaking of which, I'd like to talk a little bit about your job. If I asked you what's the most challenging part of what you do, what would you say? A lot of people would say, and and I talk to other leaders in the industry and and they talk about staffing, and staffing's not really the biggest challenge, I would have to say, in the business because I have been so very careful who we've brought into the business because they have to have the shared values that we have worked so very hard to instill. And so the team understand, you know, what our mantra is and, you know, what the roadmap is and where we're heading. So, you know, that's important and that's not really an issue. I think probably the industry itself at times is challenging when, you know, if you're under attack on on an account and another broker's doing something, you know, untoward and those sorts of the things probably are the most challenging at this point. Underwriters, it's, you know, hard to get markets sometimes, but... I'd say other brokers. And what would you say is the favourite part of what you do? I really enjoy kicking goals, bringing in new clients. Just give you that fire in your belly again. You, you know, you bring in a big account and you've been trying to get it for a year or two and you get it across the line and it's the best feeling and, you know, you share it with the team, you're high-fiving each other and, you know, it just gives you just the drive to keep on going and doing it again and again. And if I was to take you back to that young girl who had uh, enrolled in nursing and decided to pull away because her father said, no, no, you've got to do something different. If you were able to speak to her, what advice would you give her, Heather? Lucky you did what you did. I'm so pleased. It's, you know, at the time, you know, I thought, oh, but, I'd, you know, I'd be such a great nurse. And funnily enough, when, when my father was dying, I actually cared for him. He said to me, you should have been a nurse on his deathbed and I said no absolutely not I said I'm so glad where I am on my journey so you know and it made him feel good that yes I can you know I am a caring person and you know I care for my family but that wasn't you know my destiny. It's funny isn't it so you're obviously not the sort of person that hangs on to things that could have been you just move forward which is which is awesome. I wanted to ask you about the biggest challenge that you faced whether it be personal, whether it be business, what would you say has been your biggest challenge? One of my biggest challenges was probably with some personalities that we uh, had in the business, I would say, and just standing up and calling people out on things that they've done and they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. That was most definitely most difficult because when you're dealing with very aggressive people, every single day, it can plate you a little bit. But, you know, fortunately, I'm not the sort of person that lays down for too long. You just get right back up and you just keep pushing forward because, you know, if you just sit back and take it, then it will continue on and it won't get better. Something's got to give. So you do stand up and you do pull people out on their actions. Was that a difficult thing for you to do? It's not, you know, I mean, I I know your personality. It's not your natural go-to. Yeah, no, it's not. It takes a lot to upset me, but once you've upset me, then, you know, I will move forward and I I just won't back down under any circumstances. I've got a couple of final questions for you. And and as you may or may not know, the previous podcast guest leaves a question for my next podcast guest. So the question that's been left for you by Deborah McBreity, who's the insurance lead for financial services at Accenture, she's asked, If you could work your magic wand and change one thing to make the insurance industry operate more effectively, 
what would it be? Thanks, Deborah. Actually, I can think of a few. There's um, the first one, and I have said this for years, there needs to be a national claims record where all claims that have ever been lodged in any way, shape or form should be part of the record. And that would stop any non-disclosure issues with claims. Secondly, I would get rid of all claim forms. I mean, you know, we're in 2023 and here we are still filling in claim forms for insurers. It's, it's ridiculous. And then thirdly, I would look to legislate statute of limitations on liability claims. I think that, you know, for underwriters and their actuaries, it's difficult for them to determine, you know, what risks they should be looking at long term because a lot of the time it is a bit of an unknown and it's not until years down the track that they're able to change rating structures, underwriting guidelines. I think that by creating the statute of limitations, it would help the industry plan a lot better and allow underwriters a little bit more flexibility and freedom. And all of those three make perfect sense. I remember the good old days where you had to complete a new proposal form for every PI client. You had to complete a new funding application every time a client wanted to renew. Those have gone, but it's interesting from a claims perspective when we've got current issues with the number of claims complaints, whether that would actually help to shorten the claims handling cycle. Yeah, look, it would. I mean, with PI policies even, Mark, some insurers still want a new application every year. Some just want a no-claims declaration completed, but it really depends on the insurer and there's, there's just no consistency. So it would be good to see all of those disappear. And the final question for you, Heather Blanco, what is the next step for Heather Blanco? What does your future look like? I actually was asked this question by someone very recently because people are saying, well, you've only got another year or so in your law degree. Where are you going to end up? And I'm hopeful that I'm still going to be here at Shorewise. I love what I do. I love the team. I love the wins. And I just want to continue to grow the business, do what we're doing and, yeah, stay here as long as I can. Nothing wrong with that, Heather. It's a fabulous thing to want to achieve. So the only other thing left for me to do, Heather, is to ask you, what question would you like me to ask my next podcast guest? I'd like you to ask, what is the importance of having a good mentor in your life, either personally and professionally? Fabulous. Heather Blanco, thank you so much for being on Business Made Personal. Thank you for having me, Mark. Thank you so much for lending us your ears. Please remember to click follow on your podcast app or subscribe at bmppodcast.com.au so we can give you a sneak peek of our next guest. Until next time, I'm Mark Silvera, and you've been listening to Business Made Personal. <laughs>